Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. If you missed any of the teachings in November, I encourage you to go back and watch the video or podcast those because uh, as, as we've talked about when we've gone through the series, chapter 12 and chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians, I think, are so misunderstood and it causes such division in the body of Christ. And uh, it's so uh, important that we understand the gifts from the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. Uh, so if, if you missed any of those, those teachings, I encourage you to go back. Let's jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem. So these people uh, in Corinth were taking up a collection to bring to the church in Jerusalem. And uh, this is one of the things that Paul shared in, in his letter to Galatians. Well, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me go to the, the rest of uh, 16.1. You should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. And this is one of the things that Paul shared uh, with the Galatian church in Galatians 6.6. 6. He said, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all the good things with them. And so, you know, I, I, I'm... I want to talk a little bit about uh, giving, returning to the Lord what belongs to Him. Your tithes and offerings allow me to, to be here every week to, and commit my life to sharing the Word with you and to this work. And also, of course, you know it takes money to, to rent the building and buy coffee and all of those kinds of things, pay, compensate the support staff. But Paul, in this final chapter, he's touching on something that's really important because when we talk about giving... Uh, you know, most people think that giving just pertains to giving money. Well, it, it pertains to more than that. And so Paul, through this process, through this letter, he's been talking about giving of our lives to the Lord, yielding our hearts and lives to him as well. And part of that is, is returning to the Lord what belongs to him. And many of you know that we support the work going on in Israel. We, we have people that we support on a monthly basis that are taking the gospel to the Jewish nation. And people, there are Jews that are being converted to Christianity and coming to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And we support people in Africa and India and across the globe. And so your giving not only helps support this ministry locally, but we're supporting ministries globally. And whenever we give, whenever we support these ministries, then we are part, uh, we, we are part of that, and, and we receive part of the reward when we get to heaven one day. But, uh, but it's also impacting lives. So as you give your tithes and offerings, don't be just thinking, well, okay, I'm dropping the check in the box, but realize that you are helping to build the kingdom of God, and God is using our monies that we give to save souls. So that, that's very important, and, and I want to say thank you for those of you that are faithfully giving of your tithes and offerings. I want to say thank you because you're building eternal rewards. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. And so Paul is reminding them about tithing. Tithing, when you read tithing in the, the Bible, what it means is 10%. Tithe means a 10%. 
And the first of our increase belongs to the Lord. It's called the tithe. And it takes faith to give the first of our increase. I remember when we first, start, we first learned about tithing, uh, Christine and I were like, oh my gosh, 10% of my paycheck? That, that's a lot of money. But as, as many of you know, as we honor the Lord with, with the first, he blesses back abundantly. Uh, and I don't know how that works, but I just know it works. I know that when we first started tithing, we looked at our bills, we looked at our income, they didn't match up. The bills were more than the income, but somehow God always met our needs, and he's continued to do that. And uh, so if, if you're not tithing, I, I want to challenge you today to, to consider that. Actually, I'd like for you to start tithing because, listen, I want you to grow. I want you to experience the full blessings of God. What kind of pastor would I be if I didn't? I mean, if I was afraid, well, somebody may get offended. Well, you know what? I love you too much to care about that. So I want you to know the truth. I, know, I want you to know the word of God. And when we honor him with the first, he promises to supernaturally bless the remainder. And the blessing goes beyond financial and material blessings. Uh, you can read in Malachi 3, the Lord says, test me in this. This is the only place I know of in the Bible where he says, put me to the test. And I will open the windows of heaven and pour out tremendous blessings. That's what his word says, and many of us have experienced that. And if you, if, you know, some of you may have heard, well, that's Old Testament. Well, you can go to Matthew 23, 23, and Jesus said, you're to tithe. He tells the religious leaders, he said, yes, you're to tithe, but don't forget the, 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 the weightier things, justice, mercy, and faith, but tithe, yes. And so when we go back and read scriptures like that, we understand that tithing is basic, fundamental. But the weightier things are justice, mercy, and faith. And for Christians, tithing should be basic and fundamental. Returning the tithe to the local church is a basic example of obedience, but it's also an act of our worship. Whenever we, we bring our gift to the Lord, it's an act of worship. We bring our heart, we sing, we worship, but we also bring our tithe. And uh, so, uh, you know, I've seen examples where people have told me, they've said, they've gotten the understanding of this principle and this truth, and, and they said, you know what, I'm going to begin to tithe, even though it's a stretch for me. And I've seen God do amazing things when somebody's heart is just determined. I've seen people get jobs, and, and not just a job working at McDonald's, but good jobs with uh, benefits that they didn't expect to have. Because God, here's the thing, God is looking at our heart. And if we're not returning what belongs to the Lord, it's, it's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. It's, it's, it's a, a heart saying, hey, you know, I don't really trust God, or I don't really, I have other priorities. But anytime we elevate Him, then He blesses back. And I've seen God just open up doors just like that, when people just determine in their heart, before they've actually even given anything. That's the kind of God we serve. He is good. He's wanting to bless his children. He's wanting to bless us. And, and so when we give, it's a reflection of our heart. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about money right now. But when we give of our life, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for those that are willing to serve him and yield to him and give. And so returning the tithe to the local church is a basic example of obedience in our act of worship. So it's believed that the early church in Jerusalem was struggling and suffering 
with other churches. And, and even the church of Corinth and Galatia and some of these churches, these people were poor too. But they were taking up an offering to give to the church in Jerusalem because that's where this whole thing started. That's where this whole Christianity movement began. That's where Christ was. And so that's where the church was established that went out to the, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And so these churches out in Corinth and Galatia, they were saying, hey, these people over here are struggling in Jerusalem. We're going to take up an offering and give to them. And in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, Paul mentions uh, that they gave excessively that they gave sacrificially. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people with hearts to give. Because you know what? We're created in His image. And He's a giving God. God gave, what? His one and only Son, that whosoever believeth him in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God is a giving God. And to be mature believers, we're going to be reflecting the heart of God, the character of God. Love graciousness, mercy, giving. So are we reflecting God's heart by the way that we live? I want to skip to Romans chapter 8. And uh, here in in Romans 8, Paul has been teaching on living a spirit-filled life. And we've been talking about that through this series as well. Um, He's also talking about praying in harmony with the Lord's will. It's important that we seek the Lord and say, God, what do you want? What do you want? God, and I want to come into alignment with your heart and your will. Praying in the power of the Spirit. These are some of the things that Paul had been talking about here in Romans 8. Experiencing God's great love for us. Experiencing his love and also sharing that love with others. But he says in Romans 8, 31 and 32, what shall we, after he said all this, uh, taught on all these different things I just mentioned, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Amen. And we've sang that song, you know. Who, uh, we've sang lots of songs that refer to that. But the, the scripture I want to look at is verse 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Yes. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's not withholding, but he wants to give to us, freely give. And he loves it when he sees his children reflect his character in giving. He's given us everything. When we return the first of our increase to him, back to him, he blesses us back with more. Imagine that you're an owner of a company or you're a manager and you give someone a task. And you want them to do well. You want to promote them. But they're, they're not doing well. They're not doing well with, with what they've been given. God has given the things to us to steward well. Everything that we have, is we're just stewarding. They really don't belong to us, our children, our homes. One day we're going to die, and those homes are going to be occupied by somebody else, right? But right now, God has given us stewardship. And so what kind of employer would promote an employee that didn't steward things well? And so as we give, as we return to the Lord what belongs to him, I don't know how this works, but I just know that God does open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. I'm telling you this because if you don't do this, if you don't understand this, you need to because you're missing out on the full blessings of God. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. So this this is God's character that he will bless his children. Stepping out in faith, opens the door to his blessings. You know, the word says in, in, in Hebrews that it's, what, impossible to please God without faith. 
And so our faith is always being tested, and, and really it's like a muscle. The more we step out in faith, and the more we, we see God move and meet our needs when we step out in faith, the, the, the more our faith grows. I can think about uh, people here that, you know, I, I think of one family that they were renting a house and they wanted to buy a house and they found a house that they were able to buy that was cheaper than the rent. They didn't even have to put a, a down payment down. And, you know, there's just all kinds of stories that I know of where God has done things supernaturally that in, with logic and reason you think, well, you know, that, that can't happen. And God does things. I've shared numerous stories about somebody buying our house and our house didn't even have a sign in the yard. And, and God telling us he was going to bring someone to buy our house. And he brought a missionary from the Ukraine to buy our house to pay cash for I mean, you, you've heard a lot of these stories. And some of you have your own powerful stories. But there's something about living a life of faith that causes us to grow in this relationship because faith really comes down, are we trusting God? Do we trust God? And if we have it in our hand, it's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And faith is important for us to have in this Christian walk and in this Christian life that we live. And so stepping out in faith opens the door to release his blessings because we come into alignment with his purpose, his plan, his will for us. And so when you're praying for a job, if you don't have peace about it, you know, maybe you shouldn't take that job. And maybe God has something better for you. And maybe, maybe you've been in a situation where you, you were, had these two job offers, and this one looks really good, but you feel like the, the Lord is telling you, no, take this one over here. Because he has insight and wisdom and knows what's going to happen. Maybe that company is going to shut down two months after you take the job. And maybe there's more opportunity over here where you're going to be promoted and blessed financially or whatever that looks like. Or maybe it's a situation where uh, if you're working over here, you could get hurt on the job. And over here, it's, you know, there's just no telling. But that's where this faith and trust in God comes. That's why it's so important that we have this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus and we're sensitive and we're listening to the Holy Spirit and what he's telling us to do or not do. Verse uh, 2 in 1 Corinthians 16 again. On the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So he's teaching them, he's reminding them about tithing every week. For us, that, that generally happens every two weeks when we get paid, right? Or once a month, whenever payday is. And in Malachi 3, uh, going back to that, the Lord rebukes those that are not giving the tithe. And he says they're stealing from him. That's what the word says. And I know that there are people that get offended by that. But that's what the word says because he says, I've given you everything. And all I'm asking for is that you return 10% back to me. That's a pretty good deal. If I give you $100 and say, okay, I'll give you $100, but I want 10 of it back, would you take it? That's a net gain of 90. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm a, I know I'm a genius when it comes to math. You know, uh, But God gives us everything and... I want you, I want this, this family, this fellowship, this church to continue to, to demonstrate giving because it reflects the heart of God and it ref, it's a reflection of our heart as well. And he says, when you return 10% to me, I will supernaturally, abundantly bless the rest. And he says, test me in this 
And I think he says that because he really wants to prove how awesome he is. He's like, go ahead, please test me in this and watch what I do. Our faith is built when we return this portion to him and watch how he multiplies that. A blessed 90% goes much further than an unblessed 100%. Giving demonstrates our worship to him. When we consistently give, it becomes part of our weekly worship. And I, again, I honestly tell you this because I want to see you tremendously blessed. We don't teach a prosperity message here where if you give this, you're going to get a, a new car and a Rolex. And all. You know, we don't, we don't say that, but we do teach the Word of God. And I do know from personal experience, and many of you know this as well, when we implement tithing and returning to Him, God just pours out blessing. And it's not always material. It can be so many other things. It can be health. It can be peace. It can be joy. It can be finding the right spouse or, you know, whatever that, that looks like. On the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. He continues in verse 2. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. I've seen people hang on to their tithes and say, well, I'm going to tithe when I can afford it. Well, you're probably never going to be able to afford it. Because, again, it's a, a, a matter of the heart and it's a matter of stepping out in faith. It doesn't work like that when we say, you know what, I'm going to withhold from the, God, from the Lord, and then whatever I have left over, I'll throw it in the bucket. It doesn't work like that. I mean, are we, how honoring is that? And Paul even, I mean, uh, Malachi even talks about, the Lord talks about that in Malachi. He talks about them bringing these old half-dead uh, sheep as their offering. And he says, you wouldn't give that to your, your governor, but yet you're bringing that as an offering to me? What was going on there? It's a matter of the heart. And so as we honor him, he blesses us. And uh, I, I want you to get this. God doesn't value our leftovers. He wants our first. What if Jesus would have got on the cross and said, well, you know what, I'm going to die for some of their sins, or you know, I'm not going to die for Mark's sin. Or... He gave it all. And, and all God is asking is that we return a little portion to him. And so when we don't, when we give our leftovers, let me ask you to consider, how does that build faith? How do we see God move when, we, when we've shackled him, when, when we've hindered what he wants to do? Because he wants to open the windows of heaven, and, and we're, not, we're not standing on his word. We're not obeying him. How does that honor God? How does that reflect his giving character when we're stingy, when we're stealing from him? As he says in Malachi. All right, verse 3. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. So Paul's been encouraging. He's been teaching. He's been training. He's been challenging these young Christians to pursue a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. To love him. And to love others. That's really the key here. Love is the key. To obey his word. To give themselves. To give of themselves and their resources. You know, many of us wouldn't have heard the gospel if someone wouldn't have heard the call and gone out and preached or, or gone out and, and ministered to us. Even on the job or whatever that looks like. The word says, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So the word of God is the catalyst to get this moving to faith. As we teach you the word, as we, we pour out the word, and as we get that down in us, and as we're receptive to the presence 
and the power and the voice of the Holy Spirit, God is doing something in our lives. I was talking with Kisan this morning, and we were talking about how this, this process is a lifelong process of, of God working in our hearts and lives, bringing restoration, bringing healing, bringing wholeness as we yield to Him and, and say, God, I give you not some of my life, but I give it all to you. So to grow up and become mature believers is to simply go out and live it. That's right. Paul loves these people. You know, why, why would Paul be telling these, them these things and teaching them these things? Because he loves them. Because he cares about them. And so I, I understand that. I have a great love for you guys. I really love you. And, and so I'm going to teach you the Word of God. I'm going to teach you the truth because I want you to know the fullness of the Word of God. I want you to walk in the fullness of the blessings of God. What kind of cruddy pastor would I be if I didn't want that? But you know what? That's a, that's a work that the Lord does in our hearts and lives where we truly love people. That's a work that God does in our hearts and lives because I think it was last week I talked about do we have to learn to be selfish? Do we have to teach our children? You need to be selfish. <laughs> they kind of come knowing that already because all were born in sin and conceived in sin, but Jesus came to restore us back to this relationship with him. Paul has invested into the lives of these people, pouring into them. He says in verse 5, I am coming to visit you after I have been to Macedonia, for I am planning to travel through Macedonia. And then in verse 6, he says, Perhaps I will stay a while with you, possibly all winter, and then you can send me on my way to my next destination. So Paul is giving them some insight in what he would like to do. Obviously, there's a relationship that he has with these people, and he wants to spend time with them. And, you know, I love it when we come together and we spend time together. And so that's why Wednesday night prayer is so vital, not just the prayer and worship time, where we're soaking in the presence of the Lord, but hopefully you can hang around and visit and build relationships on Fifth Sunday when I win first place with a chili cook-off. You know, I want you guys to, to fellowship and visit, get to know one another. You know, as, as, as competitive as it is for some of these guys, not me, but uh, it's, it's really, it's not about the chili. It's about the fellowship. Okay, maybe it's kind of about first place trophy, I'm not sure. But, uh, but it's about building these relationships. Because not only is it important for us now to have these relationships where I can, uh, you know, Henry May call Jason and say, hey, man, listen, will you pray with me? I've got this, this big job coming up. Will you stand with me? Hey, Cliff, would, I just needed to talk to somebody. Uh, will you encourage me? Will you pray with me? Will you have lunch with me? You know, whatever. It's these relationships that matter because it's not about religion. It's not about chili. It's about these relationships. So anyway, let's read on here. In verse 7, this time I don't want to make it just a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. And so Paul realizes that he has a limited time to pour into all these different uh, areas where the church is growing and being built. But you notice what he says here. He says uh, he wants to spend time with them if the Lord will let him. Because Paul understands that it's not his priority. 
but it's the priority of the Lord. And he's trusting and leaning on the Lord to guide him and lead him. And he wants to ensure that he's doing all the things that the Lord wants him to do. So verse 8, in the meantime, I will be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. So again, he's letting them know his schedule so that they can plan and he can plan. There, he's, he goes on to say in verse 9, there's a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. And when we were going through the book of Acts, we, we saw some of the things that Paul went through, shipwrecked, thrown in prison, beaten, all these kinds of things. But he saw, he had God's perspective and saw that there was a wide open door there. And he wanted to make sure that he maximized that opportunity, even though there was opposition. There will be opposition when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we go out and, and uh, talk to people about the love of Christ, there's opposition because we know, John 10.10, 10, there's an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you will have abundant life. So we know that there's opposition. When we went to India to minister to those uh, hundreds of pastors over there, you could feel the oppression you could feel the spiritual attack going on there. And so, you know, as we've talked about, we need to, to uh, not be ignorant of the strategies of the enemy. We don't need to be fearful because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. And so Paul is seeing this thing from God's perspective, and he's saying, wait, there's a, there's a great opportunity here. And I need to just rely on the Lord. I need to wait on the Lord. But I want to come and visit with you guys. And he goes on to write in verse 10, When Timothy comes, don't uh, intimidate him. He is doing the Lord's work, just as I am. So Timothy is a young believer, a son in the faith, that Paul is trained up and equipped and poured into. And he's saying, when Timothy comes, don't, you know, don't disregard him because he's young. But he's doing the same work that I am. And Paul had poured into him and was training him up. Verse 11, don't let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessing when he returns to me. I expect him to come with the other believers. So again, Paul is giving them information on what the plans are. And he's encouraging them. Now, remember, we're in chapter 16. And this is a letter that he's written. So this is kind of the final portion of what Paul is, is teaching and instructing and pouring in to this church in Corinth. Verse 12, Now about our brother Apollos. I urged him to visit you with the other believers, but he was not willing to go right now. He will see you later when he has the opportunity. And so it appears that there's, there's this relationship that Paul has with Apollos, and it appears that the, the church in Corinth has a relationship with Apollos because he's talking to them about someone that they know, and he's saying, hey, he couldn't come right now, but he will come later. Again, Paul is giving them, he's closing out this letter with some of the things that are going to be happening. And next, he gives them uh, encouraging instruction in verse 13. He says, be on guard, period. Then he says, stand firm in the faith. Then he says, be courageous. Then he says, be strong, and then probably most importantly, he's, he closes out verse 14 here with, and do everything with love. Love is the key. Love is the foundation. So he says, be on guard against any spiritual attacks. All of them. Yeah. Things we need to watch out for are attacks from the enemy. And, and you know, sometimes the enemy will use people to create division and dissension and, and negativity in your life and, and drag you down or 
and I'd say, oh, you know, that sin's okay. I know the Bible says it's wrong, but it's really okay to gossip or it's really okay to, to do these things. And, and uh, pride, erroneous teachings, you know, we need to be on guard for those things. We need to come in, we need to know the Word of God so that if someone is teaching us something erroneous, we're like, you know, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. But we're not going to know that if we don't know what the Word says. And so that's why we put the slides on, on the screen, and we encourage you to read your Bible. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible. Know what it says. And so Paul is saying, be, be on guard for all of these things. And then he says, stand strong in the faith. Remain committed to the Lord. Stay connected to the local church. That's one way that we remain uh, strong in our faith. Trust God. Live a life of faith. You can join us for prayer and worship on Wednesday at 7 p.m., 9.30 on Thursday, on Sunday mornings. When we have men's group, men, Thursday night, you need to be here because we encourage one another. And what you have, what you bring to the table Thursday night at 7, may be just what I need or what someone else needs. Or someone else that's there may say something that's like, man, that is so good. I needed to hear that today. And then next Thursday, women's group. So we build each other up when we come together and we stay connected and we stay strong. He says, be courageous. A life of faith takes courage. So stand strong against false teachings. Deal with sin in the church. Don't live a marginal, faith-filled life. And Paul is addressing a number of these things as he goes through this letter in 1 Corinthians. You know, when we started out, he said, what is this? You have this man that's living with his stepmother. That should not be. You need to deal with this. But he's also giving, as he's giving instruction, he's also giving encouragement. He's trying to help these believers, these young Christians, grow up and become mature believers. Because there's something that happens as we grow and mature that God can work through our lives. He can pour out his anointing and his power through our lives. Why? Because there's an element of trust. He knows that we are stewarding things well. And when, when God gives us gifts, he's not just giving us a gift so that we can hold on to it, but so that he can use that gift to touch the world, people, people's lives. And, and so there's this element of trust that happens as we grow in this relationship where we begin to trust God and God knows that he can trust us because we're faithful. And he knows that we will do what he asks us to do because we obey the basic fundamental things and so that he can give us more justice, mercy, and faith. Those are the things that are more weightier than tithing. But tithing, you, you would be amazed at how many people don't give. Don't give anything, much less tithe. It's basic and foundational. So how is God going to pour out his anointing and power working through our lives when we won't even do the basic things? You would not give the keys to your car to your three-year-old. Maybe not even your teenager. I don't know. But, but why wouldn't you do that? Because you want to train them and you want to equip them so that they can handle... Because if, if you have somebody driving a car that's ill-trained and equipped, they can kill themselves or somebody else. And so God wants us to grow and mature. That's the whole premise behind becoming mature believers, that we will grow up because God has a tremendous work for us to do. So he's saying, be strong, be mighty through the Lord. You have the same mighty power 
living in you that raised Christ from the dead. We need to we need to get that. We need to understand who we are in Christ. That we are his ambassadors representing the kingdom of God. He hasn't asked us to stay in the castle. He said, go out and build the kingdom. Get out there. Because there are people that need to know this Jesus that you serve. They need to know about the hope and the love of Christ that lives in you. So we have great work to do. And we can have a lot of fun. You know, we have fun during the week up here. We're working. But lives are being touched and changed. And I know as, as we're praying for revival in this community, and we're praying that people in, in this community get saved, healed, delivered, set free, that chains be broken off of them, there's something that happens as we come together and we pray and we seek God. And that's why a Wednesday night and Thursday mornings are so critical, as we're praying for these things. And God is doing something in the atmosphere. The atmosphere changes when we come together in unity, praying for these things. He says, love God. He says, most importantly, do everything with love. So as we develop, maintain a model, this personal intimacy with Jesus Christ, we're experiencing his love, and we're living this thing out. Love should be the driving force behind everything that we do. I'd like for you to, to pray this prayer with me. If, you, if you're comfortable with it, it'll be up on the screen. And just repeat after me, Jesus, give me the same passionate love for you and for others that you have for me and you have for them. When we do that, I, I believe God really honors that. And when we, see, when we have a passion for something, uh, you don't look at, at the stock market or you don't look at a certain stock if you don't have any, Right? I have some Valero stock, so I'll look at it every once in a while. Before I had Valero stock, I didn't care what the price was because I, there was no uh, interest in that. But when we have the heart of God, when we have the love of God, it's going to change our hearts and how we see people. It's going to change our hearts on how, how we're willing to go out and reach out to the unlovely people, how we will be inconvenienced because people matter. And God wants us to have his heart. And his heart is toward us and toward all people. He desires that none should perish, but all should be saved. And there are people in your life today, this coming week, that don't know the Lord. And maybe you're in that place and they're in that place because God has a purpose and a plan for you. And he's hoping that you will reach out to them, not beat them up with a 10-pound Bible, but share the love of Christ. Share your story. Reach out to them in love. Because if we love people like he loves people and he loves us, our world will be different. Yeah. Our lives will be different. Yeah. The people around us will be different. Yeah. 1 Corinthians sixteen fifteen. he says, You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. And so here's a family, it appears, that were the first to receive Christ in Greece. They got it. And he's saying, let them be an example for you. They were teaching and training and modeling and living it. And he was saying, follow them. Grow in this relationship. 
And so when, when we think about Life Fellowship, what are our values? Love. That's, that's our number one value. Love. Prayer. We're praying more on Wednesday night and Thursday mornings and before the service from 9.30 to 9.45. Love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, unity, and service. Those are the core values that we have here at Life Fellowship. Let me read on in verse 17. I'm very glad that Stephanus, uh, Fortunatus, and uh, Atuacus, I, I looked those up. Uh, you know, I have this little program where it tells me how to pronounce those words. Okay. And I usually get them mess, messed up anyway. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think that's how you pronounce those names. Have come here. These guys have come here. They have been providing the help you weren't here to give me. And so there, there were these people that were supporting Paul and helping Paul in this work. Um, it could have been encouragement. It could have been financial. It could have been taking on various responsibilities where we have people here that, that do different tasks and do different things so that, that I don't have to do those things or Pastor Christine. And so we're working together to build the kingdom of God and impact the world around us and minister to the Life Fellowship family. And so he says in 18, they have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. You must show them your appreciation to all who serve so well. And so we have a number of people that are serving every Sunday, and I appreciate all that you guys are doing. You, you probably don't know all that it takes during the week to prepare for a Sunday morning service or Wednesday night service or what that looks like. But many of you are serving, and so it's greatly appreciated. And so when we serve, we're serving as un, unto the Lord because he's, he's the king that we're, we're serving and so I appreciate all that you guys are doing. Verse 19, the churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. Verse 20, all the brothers and sisters here send greetings to you. Greet each other with Christian love. It's wonderful to connect with other Christians. Do you, do you have Christian friends in other cities or other churches and you, you run across them or you interact with them and... There's just, it's like you never miss a step. You see them, it may have been 20 years since you've seen them. And there's that bond. There's this connection that happens through Christ when we come into these godly, healthy relationships with other believers. It's lifetime relationships. It's, it's eternal relationships. So he says in verse 21, Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. This letter is personal. And these people know him. They know Paul. They can even tell. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm signing this, and they recognize his handwriting. Uh, verse 22 says, if anyone does not love the Lord, that person is cursed. Our Lord, come. Those who have a relationship with Jesus are blessed. The blessings of the Lord rest upon his children. And we can live, we should be living and walking in those blessings. Uh, he says in verse 23, May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Paul is blessing them. Uh, my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. I understand. I don't know that I understand fully Paul's depth of love. But I understand in greater measure love because of what God has done in my life. Because of what God is doing in my life. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. The Lord has given me great love for you. 
And with the conclusion of this series, Becoming Mature Believers, I hope that you have drawn and are drawing closer to the Lord and experiencing a greater measure of His love for you and for others. And, and in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it's my favorite scripture. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Three things will last forever. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Next, next Sunday, as I mentioned, Pastor Owen will be here. And I know that many people know him as Pastor Robert Morris's pastor. But you know what? This guy has been in ministry for decades. He has a wealth of wisdom and uh, uh, he knows some stuff. God uses him powerfully. He's traveled all over the world. He's been in thousands of churches. And I love this man. He, he's amazing. And I know that next Sunday you will be extremely blessed. And I, I really want to encourage you to come back on next Sunday night at 6. Plan it. Plan it now. Just make a determination. Put it in your daytime or put it in your calendar. Determine to be here because like I shared with you earlier, a word from God can change your destiny. And we all need encouragement. And I believe that you will be tremendously encouraged. And I think we're, I'm expecting, we're praying that God will just move powerfully. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.